What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Circle Up podcast. We're your hosts, Allison Vest and Kyra Condi, and we're so excited to bring you episode 10 from Guadalajara, Mexico. Yep, we're both here in Guadalajara. Allison also just got back from Hawaii from her vacation there, so... So sorry I missed a week. (laughs) Yep, sorry she was gone last week, but she's back, don't worry. Um, And thanks for listening to episode 10. So let's get into it. Speaking of your vacation, Allison, you actually made an Instagram post recently after that, that kind of going on vacation and taking time off can be really difficult sometimes. I said in the post um, that climbers tend to have sort of a skewed outlook on vacation, and I was one of those people for a long time, Um, and just sort of this thought that you're going to lose a lot if you take a week or two um, off, but... The reality is the sport science and the research doesn't really support that at all. I think most other sports in the world have an off-season. Climbing is sort of different in the fact that there isn't one, especially in comp climbing, that's like forced necessarily. I think if you want an off-season as a climber, you have to be very intentional about taking it. But I think that's still something that's really hard for me to like take time off and to let myself not be worried about training or missing training or how that's going to affect my performance. Yeah, like in climbing, there's just always something that you could be doing. And so it's really easy to feel like you're gonna miss something if you're not at your peak performance at all times. Like this boulder's in season or this competition is coming up or um, I could go sport climbing down south where it's warm in Utah. So like there's all sorts of options that make it hard to want to take time off, first of all, because there's no good time to do it. It's not like there's a month where we just have nothing going on. And then on top of that, yeah, the, the fear of losing everything that you've worked for, I think is, is definitely what always makes it hard for me to want to take time off as well. And people also think that switching from bouldering to sport climbing to multi-pitch to indoor and outdoor is a break. Like I think they <laughs> kid themselves into thinking that that is taking time off. And in reality, it's just not like that's not just because you're switching disciplines doesn't mean you're giving your body a rest. You're still putting strain on your same climbing muscles and your tendons. And um, you know, if you're doing something more expedition style climbing and you're not climbing as much, it still weighs heavy on your body. So I am using opportunities like this trip that I just went on to Hawaii. Um, I came back and I actually felt really good. Not obviously immediately, but I think like once I got back into the groove, like three or four days later, I actually realized I felt way better and way stronger than I did when I left and that I really needed that break. So for me moving forward, I think it'll be important to have the memory of that in my back pocket so that I can remind myself of, well, okay, last time I took a week and a half off, I didn't lose all of my training and it actually was helpful and I actually felt better once I got back into the swing of things on the other side. Yeah, and I remember actually before you were going to Hawaii, you were having some sessions where you really felt like you didn't have like the normal snap that you have or the the strength and had a lot of bad sessions in a row. And you were telling me like, I think I maybe just need to take some time off. And but you didn't want to take time off before going to Hawaii. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all about planning, really. And I think determination and consistency is also something that's super important with training. Like I'm not saying. You know, you just take time off all the time and you're going to feel really good. Like, I, I, But I do think that that concept of balance is really important. Like, it's, it's really good for you to push through and train as hard as you can 
a lot of the time, but also then to make sure that you do have moments where you're not all focused on climbing all the time. Yeah, and, and I know something that we've both been asked a lot about is how we did the balance of school and climbing, or you know, work and climbing, or just other hobbies, social <laughs> life and climbing. There's so many things that you have to balance with life in general, and especially when you have a passion like climbing, that that becomes even more difficult. So on that note, I thought we could talk about when we were in university. So I graduated from the University of Minnesota in 2018 with a degree in animal science with a pre-veterinary focus. So that's kind of the, the thing that I want to do in the future, like post-professional climbing. My goal is to go to vet school still. Um, well, and you're in school now. And I am also actually currently still getting my ma- a master's degree through the University of Florida online. So I'm actually a gator. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned that the University of Florida is where Gatorade was invented also. So anyway, kind of exciting. I didn't know that, but um, there you go. Fun little tidbit. Yeah. And so that's a master's in shelter medicine, which is about how to manage an animal shelter and manage disease and market explains it as like a public health master's, but for animals. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite cool. So I'm really excited to be in school right now and create that balance because I did feel like too much of my life was centered around climbing. And then that can just kind of overwhelm you. Because, you know, my job was climbing, all my friends were from climbing, I was competing in climbing, traveling for climbing, all of these things. And so I wanted something else to, like, kind of challenge my brain. I was, like, starting to listen to more audiobooks, read a lot of news. <laughs> and I was like, I need something else to do. And um, the master's seems like a really great way to both feel like I'm pursuing other career goals while also, like, challenging myself in a different way. Yeah, I graduated from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver in a, with a kinesiology degree in 2019 it was a year after you right was it i think so i yeah. think so yeah um but yeah i think throughout my whole university career as well it was always really interesting to try to find that balance between school and climbing and it's it's not super easy but I think some people don't think it's possible yeah and that's also not true either well interestingly allison and i both we're absolutely miserable our first semester and for you year, year of school year. so I went to the University of Colorado Boulder for my first semester of school and was like just totally totally miserable and I was just telling Allison the story of I went to a competition with my mom in the middle of that first semester and finally told her how miserable I was and she was like well Kyra you know you can like transfer there's there's options like you don't have to just stay there and like hate it if you hate it I she saw like visibly saw the weight lifted off my shoulders when she told me that and she was like oh like maybe you should transfer and that was just like we were talking about how maybe 18 year olds shouldn't be trusted to make important life decisions sometimes because you know that was just something that didn't even occur to me as an option yeah I I had something similar I went to a different school in Alberta for the first year and I think when I think back to it I just didn't want to go yet like I should have taken a gap year I should have like taken time to climb um and similarly I realized after the first year that I was just not in a mental space to be able to be doing school and so I I took my gap year the year after the year after so I went to school for a year and then I took the next year off and went climbing in Southeast Asia for four months and then worked for the back half of that year and then I went back to school uh moved to Vancouver in the following year and that was really really great and definitely the correct decision but yeah yeah I don't know I think for both of us it was sort of a 18 year old learning moment to like trust yourself a little bit and be like okay I can tell that something's not working and I don't have to just be here and be sad all the time yeah 
for no reason. And just because somebody else is enjoying a place doesn't mean that you necessarily will enjoy it or uh, that it's the right decision for you. So like actually evaluating that and making sure that you're making the correct decisions for you is important. And also Allison's Southeast Asia trip is a story for another podcast. Yeah, we can maybe do a whole, we could do a whole spiel on that. <laughs> but anyway, I, so I ended up transferring back to the University of Minnesota and I honestly felt kind of the strongest in climbing that I've that I've ever felt as far as like pure strength goes. Uh, I think kind of in those first couple years of college um, because I was having a balance and that balance was like 50% school, 50% climbing and 0% social life. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I honestly, that that seems like one of the big reasons that you and I became friends is because I think we were both sort of doing the same thing where we were just in school and climbing and that was it. And then our social life was like texting each other at the gym. Yep. So it wasn't, it, you know, I didn't have time to go hang out with people outside of doing either of those things. So Cairo was my long distance bestie because I could multitask. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if, if you had a pure texting relationship, you could you uh, have to go anywhere. You could do that while you were climbing or while you were doing homework or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of the way my day was scheduled during college was I would wake up, go to class go straight from class to a coffee shop because at least I am completely incapable of doing homework actually at home. Like it has to be separate from my space of living. Otherwise I get completely distracted by probably cleaning, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Allison's laughing at me. Um, and then I would go straight from the coffee shop and you know, get food there, whatever, go straight to the gym and then train. And that was kind of my schedule. And so I actually made a point to live with friends for two of my years of college so my sophomore year and my junior year second and third year I purposely lived with friends just to force myself to have some sort of social life because if I lived at home I just would have hung out with my parents who are awesome as you guys all heard from the last episode uh, so they're pretty cool to hang out with but I did feel like I needed to have that push of living with people to actually hang out with them I had a little bit of a different experience when I was in Vancouver in training I just I didn't have a car um I actually I didn't have a car ever until I moved to Salt Lake I think I was like wow really 25 when I got off my first car but um I didn't have a car when I lived in Vancouver and so I took the bus everywhere and when I first moved all of my friends that I knew that trained in Vancouver lived in North Vancouver and for people who have any idea of how Vancouver's laid out the university is more towards the like right on the peninsula of Vancouver. So right up by the ocean and North Vancouver is pretty far. So, um, I was spending like 30 ish between 30 and 40 hours a week on the bus because oh I would take the bus to school, take the bus home, take the bus all the way up to the gym, which took like an hour and a half on the bus each way. And then I would bus all the way home. Um, so I got, I just got really good at like writing essays like on the bus, um, or trying to do readings or whatever I was having to do with school. I think I would like take the bus one way and then let myself pay for, um, we had what like we an Uber. car to go in oh. Vancouver. So they have like little smart cars all over the um, city <laughs> and you like tap the door with your phone and then you drive them from point A to point B. So little, you know, I learned little tricks like that. And obviously it's not cheap to like do that both ways. So I would have to do a little bit of a combo between the bus and that. But, um, but yeah, I most, I didn't, really do anything social most of my time was on the bus or at <laughs> school or at the gym 
Well, and then Allison also was root setting at one point during college. Oh, yeah. And they would root set before the gym opened, right? I don't, I'm not 100% sure I was still in school. I maybe was taking two classes or something because I had weird, so I wasn't like full-time school. I don't even think I was being too crazy. Like I think I, I either had one or two classes because I was like having to finish things up in a weird order or because I took whatever, what is that, five years or something <laughs> to graduate from the time I left college. Or left high school. But yeah, so I, the gym that I used to climb at opened at 10 and they didn't want there to be setting going on in the gym when members were climbing. So we would start setting at 5.45 or 6 a.m. and then set until 10 and then clean up and wash holds and stuff from 10 to whatever time when people were in the gym. Um, but the buses didn't run normal that early in the morning, so I had to take like some weird night bus into downtown Vancouver and then take the what they called like the sky train, like the tram from downtown Vancouver to the gym, which is just takes longer, but you you know, you end up having to wake up at like four thirty in the morning. Like my alarm I think went up at four fifteen so that I could get on the night bus, go to the downtown and then take the sky train into work at the gym. And then from there, I'd either go straight to my class or I would always have to leave. I would never be able to like train after setting, but then go to class and then come back later and, and try to train. And that and was very short lived. I was going to say, and do you think your training took a toll that from that was schedule? Maybe five months, but yeah. That's that still was, a long time. Yeah. Like that would really wear on like yeah, both mental really, and yeah, body. I, I couldn't tell you how long it was, but it was not, it was, yeah, five months max, but it was not good. It was not fun. I did, that was that was not going to pay off. I've had a few times in my life where, just speaking of balance, less about school, but I've had a few times where I've been trying to work really hard to make money to be able to go to World Cups because it's a little bit different now, but a lot of the trips, for at least for Team Canada right now, are unfunded, so we don't get... Um, like, the Team Canada doesn't pay for us to go, at least as far as, like, flights are concerned. Then I was working... I worked at the gym in Canmore. I was still in Alberta living with my parents at the, just like the front desk. And then I also was managing this place called the ice cream bus in Canmore, which is like scoops ice cream out the window of a an bus. old school bus, <laughs> um, which is really great. I worked there for like 10 summers or something. It was like a full on And you got to ra- raise each summer, right? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, shout out to Deb and the ice cream bus. They're the best. But uh, anyway, I was working both of those jobs and trying to train. But I would have some days where I would like work eight to four at the gym and then like four to 10 at the ice cream bus. The next day I would only work one of the jobs and then try to like climb in the afternoon. And I think I did whatever comp was next, like whatever World Cup I was actually trying to save money for. And I just felt terrible. I was like tired. I hadn't been training as much as I wanted to. And I think I realized it's just not worth it. If you have to do all of these things and the goal is to feel good and to be able to like compete well at the world cup there has to be some sort of middle ground and it just wasn't worth it to like work really hard to have all this money to go to this comp to feel terrible and then to just go home afterwards (laughs) i do feel like we all have that one friend who is somehow able to do all those things and make it look easy like they're able to have two jobs maybe a kid they save a bunch of money they have a bunch of hobbies they have a bunch of friends who they somehow hang out with they host things you know like they're like the people who just make things look easy and it maybe isn't easy but I feel like we all have somebody like that in our lives who we can compare ourselves to and it can feel kind of like 
you're failing if you're not able to do everything at once, but it is just, you got to find the balance that works for you. And that's different for every single person. Yeah. And especially for climbers who work in climbing, it's really hard to work in the gym, to set in the gym, to coach, to whatever you're doing, and then also be training full time, especially if there's not multiple gyms, you can't like switch gyms to like change up the environment. Um, there are very few people that I have ever met that can train at a really high level and sort of be performing at their best and then also be working yeah. full-time in a gym. It's really, really hard. And I think it's okay for people to accept and acknowledge that. And um, and yeah, there's there's definitely a few, my boyfriend being one of them in Salt Lake, who can, yeah. who can do it. But um, there are a few people that, yeah, I guess in Salt Lake City specifically that can work in a gym and be climbing really hard and be doing it all at once, but it's definitely not for everybody. And it was definitely not for me to be (laughs) working in a gym and trying to train full time. And I did not feel good and I was not performing at my best at all. Yeah. Our U S team coach, Josh Larson is also like that. He, I don't know how he's able to spend so much time in the gym, like making up boulders for other people and then still able to have a session afterwards and be super motivated and then go outside on the weekends. It just like amazes me. Yeah, me too. For sure. I, maybe it's just that like root setting is not, what I was really passionate about at the time. Like, I think if you're really psyched on what you're doing in a career sense with climbing, then maybe that's sort of what makes the difference. It's like, you have to be really driven to be able to do both. But, um, whereas yours was more of a a means to an end. Right. I was like, I like climbing so I can, you know, work at the climbing gym. I know how to do that. And then, uh, and it was just not, it was not sustainable for me. Yeah. So I guess bringing it back to kind of more specifically, school um i just know that there are a lot of people out there who are trying to balance school and climbing at a high level or just climbing in general and there are a lot of people who have shown that that's that's possible and but it does take time management skills and some sacrifices and that you are giving up some some of your freedoms like we were just talking about michaela kirsch and she got her doctorate doctorate in uh orthopedic no occupational therapy i wanted to say it's she got a uh, doctorate in or occupational therapy and then she's also climbing the hardest she's ever climbed and so there's pretty a lot sick of- actually they just released an article <laughs> about her climbing la Rambla, which is 15a which is super cool um she's only the second u.s woman to ever do that but um the article calls her dr michaela kirsch oh, that's cool. 15 so you're like that's pretty sick. that's pretty sick that's pretty sick <laughs> yeah kind of the people who have always been the most inspiring to me in climbing like it's not like the traditional people who you would be like, oh, those are uh, her like competition climbing mentors and or what's the word I'm looking for? Idols, idols, heroes. heroes. It's always been the people who I've seen manage to strike that balance because I think that's something that is really important to me and a lot of people that we know. And so I know Brooke, that- I think Brooke Rabatou is another good one. She just graduated um, from University of San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah. And uh, she was in school the whole time up to the not the whole time but she was in school for the past whatever five years or something getting her degree intermittently and it's obviously also been the strongest she's ever been um I feel like I'm the strongest I've ever been and I'm currently in school so it, it is possible um and yeah it's just really trying to find your priorities and what's important to you and be able to um prioritize them <laughs> that was yeah, a little I'm redundant not, I mean I think, I think <laughs> one of the most poignant examples of that is is Brooke she's obviously been in school for five years and now has her degree and has graduated and also is killing it on the world cup circuit and um, And obviously went to the Olympics with you, but she also did a really good job of understanding when things take the foreground in her life. So in the year leading up to the Olympic 
the, to the Olympics and to the Olympic qualification, she did the fall semester and then took the spring semester, spring off. semester off. So obviously it takes a little bit longer to get your degree, but it's worth it when you consider the fact that she <clears> was <throat> able to qualify for the Olympics and now be one of the highest ranked women in the world in the World Cup circuit. I did similar things so that I could focus on climbing where I would take three courses instead of five or my last two semesters, I could have taken one semester with five courses and been done, but I took three and two, so I had time, more time to train. There's a lot of pressure to like get school done in four, like stay where you started, get school done in four years, and, put your head down. And also go to school immediately after high school. Exactly. But like the thing that you do after you graduate school is then just work. So like what's the extra year? What's the extra yeah. two years? You like, could work, figure out what you like. Uh, discover your passions more, develop deeper connections with people and uh, just and, and then figure out what you want to go to school for. Totally. And I mean even if school takes an extra 3 years or 4 years, like it just, you know, there's there's weird so much stigma. time in life to do school and it just doesn't it's not urgent. Yeah. I think like people feel like it is when you're 18. Yeah, there's weird stigma against like taking 5 years to graduate when you should take should in, you know, air quotes here, take 4 or like things like that and I think people get kind of almost embarrassed about it, but it, it really just shows that you Maybe we're having a better life balance in general. Um, yeah, I think I, I took six, including my oh yeah after high school. It was six years. And I sometimes get worried that I'm like I do still plan to go to vet school, and I'm 26 now, and I sometimes worry that I'm I'm way too late to the game for that because a lot of people you know go straight from high school into undergrad, straight into graduate school, and then become veterinarians by the time they're like basically my age now. And you know, it's kind of scary as a prospect because obviously if I were to go to vet school, I wouldn't be able to travel for climbing as much. I do think I could train, you know, knowing how to do that balance of school and, and climbing, but just like leaving, I think would be more difficult, like actually traveling. Um, and so finding that time in my life where I'm ready to stay in one spot for, for four years. And tell everybody the issue with vet schools, Kara. What is the issue? Oh, the vet schools are in really weird places. <laughs> I was like, what is the issue with vet schools? There's only like 26 in the country and there's obviously 50 states. And so a lot of them are kind of in the middle of nowhere. Because of the farms. Because the farms. There's an agricultural side that you obviously have to do in vet school. And um, so a lot of them are in like Omaha, Nebraska, or uh, they're in a cool place like Washington, but like three hours from Seattle. <laughs> so like you're not in the city at all. So um, finding somewhere where I can both go to school and climb will be kind of challenging, but it's something that I'm obviously still working towards. And One day. I'm Yeah, I'm going to do it eventually. And I, I feel like it's actually coming closer like as soon as um, I have some more goals that I want to finish in climbing, obviously, and mo more specifically competition climbing. And then I'll probably eventually retire or like quote unquote retire you know do some competitions and then ideally go to like vet school. Like me now. Yeah exactly. But yeah that's the plan. And we've circled around it a little bit but Kyra always talks about having her triangle of things in life being climbing and I guess school and work probably are similar together. Yeah. Um, and then social life and what is or, or what people. Yeah. People yeah what do you always say about that? Um yeah, usually I think I can only manage to have, be good at two of those things at once. Like having, it always sways to like one side or the other. So obviously I didn't make a lot of friends in college. <laughs> and like, I look at people like Brooke who were able to join a sorority and somehow also be the strongest she ever was while also finishing her degree. And I'm just like, wow, how did you do that? Because <laughs> I definitely couldn't. I was like a maximum two things at once type of person. And then 
after school, it kind of went to more um, climbing and social life. Like that kind of took a larger part of my interests. And that's not the word, but um, that's the thing that I focused on more. And then it be kind of it kind of became too much centered on just climbing mm. because of obviously being a sponsored athlete and making being the a professional Olympics. athlete and being able to make a living that way. I didn't have to work a traditional job, and climbing became also my job. And so it kind of everything was on focused on that side of the triangle or that point of the triangle was just climbing, and that's really why I added that master's degree um, because I wanted something to kind of keep that balance of two sides of the triangle. For me, when I was doing my undergrad, my baseline personality is quite perfectionist e so I really wanted to excel in both and um, for me personally it was a matter of acknowledging that if I wanted to do as well as I did and become as good as I did in climbing I had to let my super high expectations of myself in terms of grades in In college slip a little bit so like it didn't mean that I was failing or close to failing but it meant that I wasn't gonna get you know, there'd be a couple B's thrown in there. Or it wouldn't like, be straight A's, It's maybe. not going to be straight A's. But for me, that was really important, was to, to be able to try to get myself to let go a little bit of the level of expectation in both. Because doing both at my very best capacity was just not going to happen. Was there anything that you consciously did to be able to let go of those like perfectionist tendencies in one or the other? I think in for school, what was a big deal for me was acknowledging sort of what we've been talking about that everybody has their own path and balance and and balance and something I admire about Kyra is she's very determined but also quite like directional in terms of life like I want to qualify for the Olympics I want to do this I'm going to get my pre-vet degree I'm going to go to vet school Uh, yeah I've I've wanted to be a veterinarian since I was literally in first grade right and And that's never changed and I I have never had that like I graduated with a degree in kinesiology because it's what I started in and because it was the easiest way for me to get a degree I'm not even sure I'm gonna use that ever Um, I mean working in sport I think I do actually use it um, a fair amount but I th- I, for me, it was realizing that I was sort of in my head trying to set myself up for whatever I wanted to do in the future to, to be like, okay, well, what if I decide when I'm 35 that I want to go to med school? Or what if I retire from climbing next year and I want to be a doctor or an engineer or like all these things? And it was sort of a matter of me realizing that I don't really want to do those things right now. And if that changes in the future, I can adapt and I can figure out what is possible, but sort of acknowledging that I don't have to set myself up to be able to go any direction I ever want to go in and I can figure things out as I go and I don't have to I don't have to be getting straight A's for something that I don't even know that I want. Oh yeah. Um so for for me it was that I didn't have and I still don't have ambitions of doing another degree. Um and I don't know, that might change as I get older. But it was sort of accepting that fact that things can change as I get older and I don't have to rely on the 18-year-old version of myself yeah. to create the exact scenario for something that might not ever happen. Yeah. I do sometimes get scared of that too with having always wanted to be a veterinarian. I, every once in a while now, I'm like, do I, do I still want to go to vet school? And it's kind of this like identity crisis that I get every once in a while. Not super common, but... I like, and I do have to think about it and be like, do I want to spend four years 
somewhere that I maybe don't want to be because I don't really want to leave Salt Lake and there's not a vet school there. And then the answer when I really think about it is, yeah, I do, I do want to do that. At least I, I think I do. <laughs> and so, um, uh, but I do have that small identity crisis occasionally with, with that as well. So even if it seems like an unwavering want that I've always had, it's not entirely, it's not entirely true. I definitely panic about it occasionally. <laughs> and I, for, for me also, I think it's sort of just the, like it's a little bit the opposite of that, which is a classic for us, but <laughs> I think I sort of was pressured into thinking that pressured from myself, honestly, from self-interpretation, but into thinking that just the more sciencey math focused degree paths were just better and like I said, set you up to be able to do more things mm -hmm. with them in the future. Um, and I think thinking back, I probably should have done something with my degree that was more creative. Um, yeah, Allison's and arts focused. a great writer and super artistic, like amazing painter and drawer and everything yeah, like so, that. So. And I mean, I still could. And I think if I... Well, that's the amazing thing. We're never too old to do something exactly. new. So. so I think if I was ever going to go back to school, it would probably be something to do with design or graphic design graphic or something design or arts or something like that but but yeah <laughs> all right well there look, are various identity crises yeah well Allison also just touched on it but we're super super different but we used to think that we were really really similar uh but we took we just said this during a talk that we did here in Mexico but we took the Myers-Briggs test um while we were living together a while ago and actually our the opposite of every single letter <laughs> so anybody who knows the I, I it's like the four letter ones were. yeah it's like it's like the ENTP ones. Um, I, I think mine's something like that. I don't remember. But literally, there's either one or the other, and we were the opposite for every single one. So maybe you can get that through this podcast if you can tell that we're, we're very different, but also obviously get along quite well. So uh, we, that, that personality test is really interesting. So if anybody hasn't taken that, it's free on the internet, and it's really fun. It is fun, and you should take it with somebody else because it's, it's even more fun. That's true. To compare. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I hope this episode wasn't too rough in terms of audio quality. We are in a very janky setup in our Airbnb. Yeah, we're, we're, this is not our typical setup, so bear with us. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.